This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes. Until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental and more. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome, listeners. Just a quick heads up before the show starts. Unfortunately, Dan can't join us for the next couple of weeks. And obviously, we beat the Blues, so we had to do a show. So at the last minute, I got uh, Chris Budd in. Thanks, Chris, for uh, coming to our rescue. Uh, We actually recorded this on location, and unfortunately, one of our mics wasn't working, so we had to share a mic, and we're in public, so it's a little bit more subdued than normal. So please do bear that in mind, and uh, if you're a first-time listener, it's not a typical show, put it that way. Anyway, enjoy. When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now, so I'll play it for you. It's a... called My Old Man. Welcome to your local Litchfield podcast, My Old Man Said. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. Joining me this week, first time back since September, Chris Budd. How are you doing, Chris? I'm very well. Very smug. I think the last time we spoke, we were this kind of middling, going nowhere, middle of the championship team, but now we're this gigantic promotion juggernaut. Do you feel like now we're in second, we're just going to stay there? I think... Game on as of Saturday. I think Saturday's game against Fulham will be where we really will know if we're um, going to stick around or not. But so far, so good as of the turn of the year. I think in the last podcast, obviously, we spoke about Burton, and I was a bit worried going into the Blues game. I mean, we'll get into the Blues game shortly, but this was a different Villa that played Burton. Against the Blues, we were committed, it was a lot more intense, and we completely bossed it. I think it was just the tempo that we played at as well. Once we got our foot on the ball, we actually wanted to go out and hurt them rather than you know the previous two or three derby games where we really tried to battle and grind out a result. I think we just took the game by the scruff of the neck. And um, throttled them. Literally. <laughs> anyway, we'll get into the, the Blues in a second. First of all, we'll have the, uh, the three points uh, of the week. Well, I think the real talking point is, is we're actually in the promotion spots for the first time since we got relegated. Hurrah! And now it's almost nosebleed territory, isn't it? <laughs> well, from what we're used to, definitely. So now it's well, just two things to do now. One is I, one is just stay there to the rest of the season, and the other one is uh, do we do we encroach into Mordor and uh, track down the dogheads? The webbed feet brigade. 
Do, do you think uh, the dog heads are caused too far gone? I think it's like 12 points. Yeah, I, th- I think if it had been, if we'd have been here at the turn of the year, I think we might have had a chance. But I don't think, I don't even think Steve Bruce really thinks we'll catch them. I think we very much want to cement second place and pull away from what's beneath us. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't ventured any ambitions of catching them. But what, what I have kind of said, I think on the on the blog is. Uh, Wolves have got three trickyish games in February. I think they play Fulham. I think they play Norwich as well. If there's a single points gap at the end of this month, then we might have a chance because obviously we've still got to play them at home as well. I think it, it comes down to the fact that they haven't had a run of injuries or suspensions. They haven't had that hit to the squad that necessarily we had. I think they've definitely got the better start in 11. We've definitely got the, the strength in depth, but that doesn't really come into force until Wolves get an injury to one of the key, you know, the three lads that they brought in for big money or one of their team. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, our problem was the start of the season where we won one in like six, of the first six or seven games. And if you look at the, uh, our home records are pretty similar. I think there's only like three points difference. And it's where, where we've fallen down is their away record is about nine points better off. So they've performed better away. And I think it was because we, we started off slow. But anyway, let's not get too involved in that. I think we can just cement second and Fulham's obviously a key game for that uh, that'll be more than uh, more than enough meanwhile at the second point is our potential replacements in the championship the baggies seem to be imploding sacking both their chairman and CEO seven points off safety with only 11 games to play I mean people are kind of relaxed going into this new year but it's it's quickly catching up that it's almost the end of the season I think they're in big trouble do you think they'll get out of that? I look at their team and you think now they brought in Sturridge to kind of be there you know shoot them to safety and they've lost him after three minutes how, how is he out for long or I think it's another hamstring injury or it's his usual right, weekly right. hamstring injury so I, I don't think he'll be around for too long he might play games but I, I can't see him you know being the sort of the, the saviour that they hope for and I don't see where their goals are going to come from. I mean, they should have just stick with Pulis and uh, just hope that his record of never been relegated kicked in. It was a bit of a suicide mission, getting rid of him and actually bringing in Pardew. When you read about uh, what the Baggies have been saying, they were just relying on the new manager bounce, and that was it. That was their simple philosophy. <laughs> I think it's the, the, you know, the lack of ambition at higher up in the club and in the boardroom has finally come home to roost. You know, they've been happy to sort of just get by, get safe take the TV money and not invest in a squad or a, a the, better but, team but the Chinese, I mean the Chinese owner uh, very much like uh, in Villa's position needs to be in the Premier League to leverage a lot of other kind of business activity absolutely I, th- I think unlike previous years when they've gone down I think this year they would actually go down and have some of their team ripped to pieces as well Yeah. so I don't necessarily think they would go down and come straight back up yeah I think uh Short-term Villa were in a bad position in terms of a new owner coming in, in terms of obviously after not getting instant promotion, all these plans to, I don't know, rebuild the North Stand and smart cities in Aston and all this kind of stuff are all on the back burner because we've got no money until, uh, or we're not allowed to spend any money until we're in the Premier League. But if we get promoted this season, the same with Wolves, at least we can go forward Well. The baggies, I think, uh, got their new owner in place and then dropped. It's uh, it's a bit of a sticky situation. Yeah, anyway, I think, uh, sorry. I think Villa and Wolves are both teams with momentum yeah. moving moving forward further than just this year. Um, they've obviously got very ambitious, you know, management higher up in the club, unlike the unlike the baggies. Um, 
and I think they have plans to get to the Premier League and then push on. I think the baggies have been very stable for a while and all of a sudden the plateau has gone down rather than up. Yeah, and they've kind of been caught a little bit with their pants... Uh, well, they've had their pants pulled down, really. Uh, final point, number three, and this carries on from uh, last week when we talked about Deli Alley's sex tape and the various filler sex tapes of yesteryear. Jermaine Pennant, is he, I think he's getting his lawyers in because he's going to try to sue a newspaper for calling him a porn star. I think his Billericay Town career's really hit an all-time low, hasn't it? He's looking for the free publicity for his uh, book and it's gone downhill. Yeah, he's got a book coming out. Is there anybody out there who's going to buy Jermaine Pennant's biography? A book called Mental. And it's called Mental. <laughs> I don't think it's going to trouble the New York Times bestsellers list. <laughs> I think it's a colouring book. <laughs> it's like the ultimate journeyman. We're only mentioning him because, uh, obviously, of his blues connections and since we are celebrating Villa's controlled execution uh, at Villa Park, uh, we thought we'd throw him in there. Jack Grealish toying with Birmingham City. And the Burma has latched onto it. A goal which sends Villapur crazy. A roar which can be heard right across the second city. And a moment which makes Birmingham City heart sink. A difficult week for Steve Bruce. But Albert Adoma stands as the king of the halt end. Moving on to the Blues game, uh, I mean, going into the game, only Bolton had a worse away record than the Blues. But the thing is, the Blues' recent form, their last four away games, they've won two and drawn two, and that's like eight points out of their ten away points. So their first, I think, 11 games, they've got two points. So yeah, I think they've been, they've been scoring goals as well. I yeah. think definitely from the, the Villa side of things, everybody who I spoke to, they were a little bit sort of apprehensive. I mean, everyone has Derby Day nerves, but this time I think the Blues fans genuinely thought they could come and get a result. And I think there was a few Villa fans who thought we were going to get much more of a good game than it actually ended up being. Yeah, no, I thought it was a, definitely a potential banana skin. I mean, first of all, to that 100% record of uh, 2018. But I think a lot of Blues fans, uh, they were kind of cajoled on by their recent form and they'd, they'd actually kind of solidified them, got a bit of momentum going to get out the bottom three. So I, th- I think they felt comfortable that this was a good time to uh, derail Villa. Yeah, and I think they, they thought that it was the you know the, sort of the law of averages or whatever, that they, were, they had to come here and win at some point. Um, and that they'd probably give it a really good go and it was quite the opposite in fact Yeah I think a lot of Blues fans were disappointed by what they actually saw I mean I I don't know how much that's down to the Blues lack of effort I mean they're always on about Cottrell's not very good in terms of his substitutions and I was quite surprised to see Hotter or Hotter not actually being in the first 11 because I thought he caused Villa's problems at St Andrews I mean obviously he had that glaring chance that he he, uh, fucked up I think he's a good player. I, just, I don't necessarily think Cottrell must have thought he's not the kind of guy you play in a derby. You know, he's not going to track back and he's not going to be up for the fight. But yeah, no, at, some, at some point, you, you kind of need to show a bit of quality, which they severely lacked. Because he, he'd been out of, the, out of their first 11, uh, I think this, most of this year, but he came back against Sheffield Wednesday, scored two goals. So I thought that's, you know, that's his inclusion. But yeah, they needed, apart from. Uh, uh, Boger at uh, is he on the left wing? Yeah, who had a good he game. Was very bright. The Chelsea Loney, I think he's only twenty, but he was like their only real threat and spark. Yeah, I think he actually gave Al Mohamedi a, a really tough game. You know, I think Al Mohamedi is very much the fullback who wants to get forward and he'll, yeah. he'll cause them problems that way. But you know, going the other way, I think he, um, I wouldn't say 
sort of got away with one that game, but it's he certainly was visibly been targeted by the Blues to to really get after him, whereas a lot of teams normally would go after Hutton and yeah. down our left hand side. Yeah, and I think if, if Berger had a bit more support, he would have had a bit more of purchase. Yeah, or just a focal point to the attack. I think he was just very isolated. I mean, the only change Villa made was uh, something that I spoke about in the Blues preview was I, I, I kind of half expected Bruce to bring in Yedinak because James Chester's only five foot ten, and they're obviously playing six foot four Sam Gallagher. So I thought Jed, Yedinak at the back to stop any uh, kind of long balls, but. Blues didn't really play uh, that kind of game. They didn't try to pump the ball in as much as possible to take advantage of Gallagher's height. I think they just they, they pumped it forward very aimlessly. There was no sort of it was almost like they just lacked a plan. You know, I know Cottrell came out after the game and said they just they lacked belief, and it was very much you could see that every time they had the ball, they'd kind of look up and because the they ball didn't have a clue. The ball never got past Yedinak most of the time. He had a brilliant game, didn't he? To be fair, yeah. you know, he, I can't remember him losing a. A header or a tackle, which if, if that was his, the job he was brought in to do, then he's more than done. I mean, the only time it really bypassed him was when uh, John Terry made a bit of a dog's ass of a, of a like a long ball, and Sam Gallagher was put on through. But I think Sam Johnson did a good job of like narrowing the angle because Gallagher was coming in. I mean, it was a tough. Tight. It was a tough chance. Yeah, I think I mean, he hit the target. He's done well. The rebound. I don't think he was expecting to get and has ballooned it into the hole. Ten, yeah. but now that was their sort of their the only. Sight of goal they had, really. Well, they, they hit the bar as well. Did they in the second half? Yeah. So they did. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd already switched off by that point. <laughs> You're already celebrating. Yeah, but I mean, these, these are like snap chances. They, they didn't really have any sustained pressure, or I was never worried at any stage, really. No, it was a, it was a weird one how we, you know, it took us an hour to break them down. And on, you know, probably the villa of last year would have started to panic at 60 minutes, mm. and definitely the fans would have started to get a bit antsy. But I think there was always the, the feeling that we have the players now that will always have that moment of quality, and luckily we did. I I think mean, as soon as the goal went in, I don't think anybody doubted who was going to win the game. Because this is the first time we've actually dominated them for, for a while, because normally when we've won, they've been kind of scrappy 1 0s, especially the last two times at Villa Park, including the, uh, the cup game of Reedy Gestead. I, th- I think it was just the the intent of having a focal point to our attack as well. You know, we had Grealish, we had Hurahan getting forward, a Doma wants to get his foot on the ball and play, so does Snodgrass. And Hogan worked hard. You know, we had sort of four or five players who really wanted to get on the front foot this time. I don't think we wanted to sort of play deep, be very solid and play off a single striker. We really had a plan as we've had since the turn of the year and really stuck to our game plan, which is I think it's the best way to play against Blues. Yeah, before in those scrappy games, after the game, Blues have always, you know, Blues fans have had that argument, like, you know, if we had, you know, if we scored here, if they, the ref gave a penalty there, blah blah blah. But this time, it's just silence because they know they were just bossed, bossed off the park. Yeah, I think, I think from what I've seen online, that they are really disappointed. I don't think necessarily as much at either the result or getting beaten by a better side, but they're, they're much more annoyed at the lack of sort yeah. of effort and they lost the fight, which. One thing I think you can always give Blues credit for is they'll they'll give you a good game and they'll fight you sort of right till the end. And they'd kind of thrown the towel in as soon as the first goal went in. I think it just almost looked like it was yeah, inevitable that we'd run all over them after about an hour. Because I think if you, I mean, I, I was a bit worried going into this game mainly because of what I saw against Burton. But I think two things played into it. It was obviously the full full house. And you know the crowd were fired up as the players came on the pitch. But also, you know what's happened to Bruce uh, over the last couple of weeks, with obviously his father passing away and, and his uh, mother having a serious illness. I think there was this kind of mentality to do it. You know, obviously for Bruce, and go out there and really uh, 
I think there was definitely there, the yeah, there was definitely a togetherness. You, know, you could see that when, the, when both well, goals went in and after the game, they were very well, before the game as well. Terry was giving everybody man hugs. Yeah, a bit, mo- bit more than normal. I yeah, thought. and they celebrated as a team. But I mean, going back to Grealish, I've, he, I mean, he's been outstanding in the last few weeks, and this is obviously a, another level. Is obviously he's going to be pumped up for this. But the boy was tackling back. He was he was playing like a. It was almost like, like a box to box to box midfielder. I mean, and, and he didn't lose many tackles as well. He didn't. I mean, it, I think he dispossessed them like two or three times when you didn't expect him. Like, if you're looking at it as the mindset of Grealish of old, you'd have thought he'd be out muscled or something. Yeah, and it was you know, the battle against Undoy all game, and Undoy yeah. had to foul him. Yeah, he was very deserving of his red card. You know, he was lucky to stay on the pitch as long as he did. Really, I mean, the only thing that I, I was actually worried about any time in the game was just Sam Johnson's distribution and I didn't know if that was the player or the pitch was kind of playing yeah, the into that. has been dreadful since the turn of the year really hasn't it? Yeah I went against Peterborough, my sister was looking after these I put it on Instagram a few weeks ago looking after these two kids from uh, Chernobyl and at the last minute Villa organises uh, us to have a little tour around the, the dressing rooms and meet Steve Bruce before the Peterborough game for the kids we were in on the pitch and uh, we're next to Elphick, Grealish, uh, Elme when they were warming up and I remember Elphick turning to us and just saying this pitch is fucking shit <laughs> Well it looked like so, you know, the, uh, so the, the players, UV lights they'd had on, they just looked like they'd been left on Yeah, yeah. the rain just dug in, it was like, like railway kind of, lines, uh, it was just tracks in I the mean, pitch Considering the reputation of Villa Park and the pitch over the years and how our head groundsman got poached by Paris Saint-Germain and we still won awards after him because you know the people that took over were still very Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Getting back to Johnson, I think his kicking is probably the one thing to work on in his game. If anything, I think um, their goalie was probably guilty of being worse. Yeah, which was saying something. I mean, the amount of times he shanked it into the stand. Yeah, yeah. Probably three or four occasions at least from quite simple back passes. Yeah, he was kind of giving the ball back to them needlessly. I think that was the pattern of the game, really. Villa would get it at Blues quickly and the ball would come back as soon as it, uh, faster than it went up. Because, I mean, when you're looking at uh, whether, I mean, this is obviously uh, Villa have to get promoted first, but whether Johnson would sign permanently. Uh, I think in the Premier League, you saw it at Manchester City with Pep Guardiola and Joe Hart. Joe Hart's distribution was not up to the standards that he wanted, and so he basically ditched him. So I don't know if that's whether he's, you know, hit, hit and miss for Sam Johnson in terms of his United career is whether his distribution improves or not. 
Maybe. I mean, I don't know if you know. I don't really have Steve Bruce down as being the uh, sweeper keeper kind of guy. That's a little, you know, it's a little too. Oh yeah, no, no, at the no, no. What Villa. I'm saying is, Villa will have him. They don't give a shit about his distribution. But oh, whether, I think so. whether, he's, a, he's a good solid whether goalkeeper. Whether United need that in their setup to have a better a keeper who can actually uh, distribute it, yeah. sweeper. I think Jose in general just has a pretty dreadful track record of bringing through young players. Yeah. wherever he's been um, so I think if there was a problem in goal for United they'd probably go out and spend another 30-40 million or if, if De Gea was to leave they'd probably use that money to go out and buy yeah, a like-for-like yeah. player I don't think United are in a position to, to sort of risk a young player especially in such a key position Yeah, I thought Ch- Chester had a great game again there was one time that where he actually outlept uh, Sam Gallagher who's got like six inches on him I think Chester's just consistent, isn't he? Yeah, Every that's, week, that's why we don't, don't talk notice ab- him. We don't talk about him much. It's a shame, really, because they've got the sort of the, the marquee signing of Terry stood next to him. Yeah, whereas jo- he just goes about his work quietly and. Because when I like do the player ratings every every week, like no problem saying something about every player apart from Chester. Yeah, because <laughs> it's like well, he just does the same every week. He's just a seven and it's at always least good. every week, isn't <laughs> it's it? Seven or eight every week. It's always good, but he never does anything that like stands out because he's just doing his job. You know, he's going to get the gold carriage clock at the end of his Villa service. Yeah, <laughs> and you feel like he deserves more accolades. I think um, he's the kind of player we've needed. Yeah, yeah, for a no, while, who just sure. just get the job done. Now, there's no nonsense off the field. He's, he's very pretty, consistent pretty on it. Tidy on the ball. Yeah, he's good on the ball. I think he um, he commands the the back four reasonably well. I think Johnson's probably improved from having hit a stable centre back pairing with him and Terry in front of him as well. And I actually think he's got a goal in him at some point. Yeah. Speaking of goals, I mean, I know most people have just tuned into this podcast to find out the latest. Hogan touch count didn't score this time but let's just trace back the last three weeks against Barnsley scored two goals but only 12 touches against Sheffield United 13 touches improving by one touch and uh, in the last game against Burton 14 touches again but I think he scored yeah he scored but he's been improving by one touch a week this time, 23 touches. No goals, but let's not worry about Hit that. Hit the bar. Hit the bar. But he looked like a different man. He was like a man possessed and visually made such a big contribution. I mean, 23 touches uh, doesn't sound a lot. but I, I think he's... And to be honest, I expected it to be more in terms of the stats, but hell of a lot of difference. I mean, it's almost twice as many of his touches. Uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to know the, the yards he covered as well, because he was yeah. all over the field. He was chasing down everything on their back four. I think, it, you know, the cliche of he really put a shift in. I think very it's, fitting for him I mean, on he, Sunday. Even though he didn't score, I think it was his best performance. I think I think he stretched them. Yeah. They're, they're kind of, they're finding a way to get the best out of him, and it's very much not using him as a target man, but just using him as a focal point. I think the amount of times he chased down the, the goalkeeper, especially, yeah. was probably part of why the you know, we got the ball back so often because the Blues were kind of getting the ball and either lumping it into the stand or yeah, especially in the yeah. first half but no it was good good stuff from Hogan and I mean Lewis Grabon got his first showing but he didn't really have much to do because I think the game was won within a couple of minutes of him coming on yeah, I think they got the first one yeah I think he came on 79th minute yeah just before the second or yeah just before the second so it was kind of game over kind of put himself about a bit and Villa didn't really look like they were chasing a third but I remember Hurahan got the ball down the line and he just went in you know walked it to the corner flag they weren't really going for that third no I think they knew the job was done by this point I don't think Blues were going to chase the game particularly which is a shame because I'm not complaining if it was a third or a fourth Snodgrass had the one (laughs) 
chance at the end, didn't he? Yeah, no, he, he played. I mean, Snodgrass is the kind of guy that he just won in the championship, in, and especially in the derby game, because he's, he, I mean, as we've always spoken about in the podcast, he's completely committed. I think he's got that little nasty streak in him as well, which sometimes you need in a, in a derby game. You know, he's going to stand up for his the guys around him and if he needs to put his foot in he will if he, and he'll take a clatter in if the opposition want to dish it out yeah no he's, uh, I think he's, he's archetypal championship player in terms of exactly what's symbolically been the main difference from last season when we didn't really have that kind of character in the mid- middle of the pitch yeah it's just that as you said it's a character thing and I think as well he's got that little bit of quality where he'll you know he'll take a kick in all game but like at Sheffield United he did very little in the game yeah. popped up with the goal and he'll normally Similarly to Adoma, really, they'll always they'll always input something in the game, even if they're having a bad a bad match. I must admit, I liked uh, Adoma's finish. If you watch the highlights, you'll notice there was a dress rehearsal for that goal. I think in the first half, where Grealish played another square ball, and Adoma yeah, yeah, went for the near post, but it, it was wide, a couple yeah a couple of yards wide. So when he got the ball this time, everybody was thought it was like odds on he's going to curl it for the far yeah. post, but he did exactly the same. And by that point, it was it was looking likely that he wouldn't even be on the field. You know, yeah. he, obviously, you know, he took quite a bad knock in the first half. It looked like you know, Onima was stripped off and ready, yeah, to, yeah, yeah. ready to come on. So to get through the whole game, was sort of a testament to his character as well. Yeah, I don't know what the update is on his injury. I mean, uh, somebody, when I asked for listener questions or issues to discuss, they wanted to know what the latest was about Adamar and if he was injured for any length of time, who would you play on the left in his place? There's obviously a temptation to put Grealish there, but I think you need Grealish where he is now because it, yeah, it he's just changed the whole the, dynamic of the, the team. He's the focal point of your attack now, isn't it? I think you've got Green, who's been waiting in the wings for a while. Sort of patiently, obviously, yeah, he had a brief cameo against Peterborough and hasn't been seen since. So I don't know if that's anything to do with his injury or if they're not trying to rush him back. You could also put uh, Nomar out there as well, just for the hell of it. Because why not? Why not? Was it against Cardiff where he did that nifty move down the left where a defender thought he tackled him and he kind of. Have you seen the video? (laughs) He's like backheeled it round him and flicked it round him and just left this guy. Yeah, he is. He's kind of tidy. Just sometimes he doesn't get stuck in and he he goes missing when it gets a bit uh, tasty. Shall we say? I think he could have got interesting on Sunday if he'd have you know come on with a good you know hour to play in the game. It could have been quite a different game potentially. Yeah, looking at in terms of the overall picture now in second place, there's this been this fallacy recently uh, when especially like the end of last season when they would refer to Aston Villa's home form as excellent like the media would say this or even Steve Bruce would be talking about this and when you looked at how good our home form was in in comparison to the rest of the league it was always like the 7th, 8th best in the championship so it was a bit of a myth we weren't that good at home we were drawing too many games but now we have legitimately second best home form in the league we're only like three points off Wolves's and so when it comes to the running and you're looking at that automatic spot we've got to play a bunch of teams uh, in you know who are obviously going for automatic in the playoffs and they've all got to come to Villa Park I mean maybe that's why our home record is good because we've only played the crap teams that could be part of the reason <laughs> I think well I think most of those teams won't be they won't be relishing the prospect of having to come to Villa no, with exactly. momentum I think last yeah. year we were a different kettle of fish I think a lot of teams um, would probably come here thinking we can probably get something today and we've always been guilty of sort of we'll always gift you a chance it's when I mean, you're actually clearly clear enough to take it I mean yeah when you look at our team it's like it's kind of you expect to win every game now I mean you look at the squad exactly. you look at the guys who can't get even near the bench at the moment and we've still got I mean I was joking uh, to Dan fans. the other week about if we were to catch Wolves we'd probably have to win out the season which 
means win every game until the end of the season, which we look at the league, you think, well, it's possible. <laughs> but, you know, I'm not going to get too excited, put it that way. I think they could definitely look at no, not losing is a, yeah, is a potential. I think, I, I think I being unbeaten is... I can't is see the winning run lasting a lot longer, if I'm honest, but I yeah, you look down the, the, the fixture list and I don't fear anyone. No, as I said at the top of the show, Wolves, uh, I mean, they're away at Preston, then they're at home at Norwich. Norwich are in a bit of form now, and uh, as Derby found out, there's no pushover. And then uh, they're away at Fulham, so there's a potential there for Wolves to actually... I mean, this it's, it'll be an, I think February is just a test to see how good Wolves are. If they win all those three games, then you know they've won the league. I mean, I think they're going to be pretty much home and dry by Easter, I would have thought. But if they drop points here then and Villa carry on winning, then we go into March single-figure gap, then who knows what can happen. I mean, I think if you know if you're getting down to sort of six, seven points, you just don't know how Wolves are going to react. Now they haven't been under pressure all season. You know, they, they came out of the trap so quickly, and no one's really challenged them since yeah. the word go. So you know, it might be that they're just not used to being pressured. We just don't know. It's been a real think, walk in the park. Yeah, I think it'll be an, an interesting game when they come to Villa Park. Put it that way. I think we'll be bang up for it. Yeah, no, definitely. No, I think it'll be a good. It'll be almost like a one-off kind of game because I don't think it'll matter that much in terms of final places no I don't think so I think you know you look down the, the fixture list and you see you know sort of Cardiff and Derby right at the end of the season on the horizon not Fulham this weekend especially and you think those could be really big games in determining where we're going to finish I don't necessarily see the Wolves game as being a big battle between the two teams what I, I think it's more a case of Villa are going to want to put the points on the board yeah. and really get a bigger gap as they can if possible. But no, I think it would be I think it would be more like a Midlands Cup final rather than having any implication on the actual league table unless uh, Wolves slip up uh, in the rest of February. Yeah, I think it's a nice novelty to watch a local yeah. derby with two teams who really do actually want to play football now as well and that are already promoted hopefully. Right, there's going to be a new section in the show if listeners are uh, obliging. Uh, we mentioned uh, last last week. We were talking. I mentioned Jim Smith, the ex Blues Derby manager, in relation uh, to living a few doors down from my dad uh, once upon a time when he was younger. A listener, uh, Noel, wrote in uh, with a little story about Jim Smith, and we thought about since we use the word allegedly quite a lot on the podcast to actually have a uh, section called allegedly, where supporters, if you email emailers on. I think I'll set up a, a, a specific uh, email address for it. But in the meantime, contact at myoldmansaid.com with any funny stories you have of either players or managers that might be, let's say, funny. So Noel's uh, example was, he, he wrote in and he said, after hearing you talk about Jim Smith, I thought I'd tell you, uh, and this is obviously allegedly, after hearing you talk about Jim Smith, I thought I'd tell you a quick anecdote about him. Back in the 80s, my mate's dad was driving past St Andrews one weekday afternoon and Jim Smith, who was the manager then, came driving out of the ground in his jag, hitting my mate's dad's car. After getting out of the car, he sussed that Jim was pretty pissed up, allegedly. To resolve the issue, Jim Smith offered him two Blues season tickets to uh, keep hush about the incident. Being a Blues fan, he gladly took him up on the offer. No more was said. It never got out in the papers, and no police was involved. Jim got away with it. And he had to sit through 23 games of absolute garbage. (laughs) Little did he know that not only did he get his car smashed up by uh, Jim Smith, that he got punished uh, with that season ticket as well. So it was a bit of a double uh, kick in in the gonads. But if you've got any uh, fun stories about players and managers, do email us on contact at myomansaid.com. Discretion guaranteed. 
all the time, sometimes. Uh, Noel also went on to say, uh, after that uh, little story, that he also has a sex tape of Jim Smith's doing interesting things with a blue dildo if you'd like uh, that, that sent part in of, uh, that's part of penance signing ceremony yeah I think it's I think it's a chapter in uh, mental right we're going to we'll probably do a, a short little show to preview the Fulham game which uh, is a bit of a pivotal one uh, coming up in the meantime please do uh, rate uh, the podcast on Apple uh, iTunes give it a five stars and whatever you want to say about it also if you want to support the show and where are we today we are we're out on location in the city uh, since the city is ours now we thought we'd get out and about but we we fastly realized that we need some audio equipment so if you want to support the show <laughs> so we can do better on location podcasts uh, do become a patron go to myomansaid.com and click on the patron uh, menu option for more details that'd be much appreciated also uh, when you see the podcast on facebook and twitter please do uh, share and get it out there and you know tell your friends about it as well so until the fulham game and show it's uh, goodbye from me and it's goodbye from him don't forget to keep your postcodes close to your chest <laughs> Ta-ra. the final 10 minutes of the 126th episode of Neighbours in the second city. Master Villa looking for the killer strike. There it is! And there it is in style from Conor Horahan. They've turned on the power. They are building momentum. They are looking menacing. And they may just have won the second city derby again. Incredible. My old man said. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.